Welcome to the sermons of Steve Galloway, pastor of First Baptist Church, Macon, Mississippi. Let us join together and study God's Word and apply it to our hearts so that we may learn His truths and live faithful, obedient lives. May God bless our time together. Let me invite you to turn your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. Six short verses, but a lot of information that we need to cover today. Allow me to read this passage. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to him, to the God the Father. Let's bow together in prayer. Dear Lord, open our hearts to the truth of your words today, that we may glean the understanding of what, how you would desire us to live each and every day. Lord, we thank you for the truths of your word, and Lord, how they guide us. Lord, we need your spirit to help us to live these truths out each and every day. Lord, thank you for the love that you have for us and the way that you guide us through your truth, through your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. <clears throat> have you ever had an occasion to go to and you put on some clothes and you looked at yourself in the mirror and said, this just isn't quite right, so you went back and changed clothes? I think women do that more than guys, but you know, guys kind of have this mirror in their wives and they'll say, you're not going with me looking like that, and so that means that you've got to go and change clothes as well. You know, that's kind of what Paul is doing here. He's basically saying, let's look at the spiritual mirror. Is there anything that you're wearing that you need to get rid of, that you need to take off, and what is it that you need to put on in its place? Well, if you look at what we dealt with two weeks ago in our last study of uh, Colossians, and what we're dealing with now, Paul is telling us to put off certain things and then put on certain things. If you go back to Colossians chapter uh, 3, verses 8 and 9, it says, But now you also put them all aside, take them off, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices. So we need to get rid of that in our Christian life. We no longer need those to be a part of us. But now, in verses 10 from last time, in verses 12 and 14, we see the words put on. Verse 10 says, And have put on the new self, who is being renewed to a true knowledge, according to the image of the one uh, who created him. Verse 12 says, Put on a heart of compassion, kindness, and so forth. And then down uh, in verse 14, Beyond all these things, put on love. So God is telling us to get rid of certain things in our wardrobe, our spiritual wardrobe, and to put on other things. 
And this really is turning into what we call a transformed Christian. Before Christ, we have sin in our lives that's unconfessed. That sin causes us to live a certain way. When we become a child of God, we put off the old things, and behold, all things become new. And God creates a newness in us, and that's through the Holy Spirit living through us. And He begins to transform us into what He desires us to be. And that's really to be more and more Christ-like. But if you look at verse 12, it says, So all those who have been chosen of God. So the first thing we need to understand is to, for us to have this new creation, we have to become a child of God. And we need to understand what it means to become a child of God and how do we actually receive this gift of salvation. There's a lot of people in the world think, well, if I'm good enough, I'll earn it. Well, we know that's not right because the Bible is replete with many tell, t- times telling us that it is not by works, it is by faith alone in Christ Jesus. So how do we come to Christ? The Bible tells us that we're sinners, that we are separated from Christ because of our sins, and that we are despicable. There's really nothing in us that probably really desires salvation. How do we come to that gift of salvation? I believe that the Bible tells us very clearly that you must hear the Word of God, the Gospel of Jesus Christ, and then that God draws us to Himself through the Holy Spirit, When we hear the Word of God, the Holy Spirit takes those truths and draws us into those truths towards the truth of salvation. Well, we hear these words where it says, You have been chosen of God. We do understand that God does choose us. But there's a multitude of different ways of understanding what we call the doctrine of election. The first is that God chooses only certain people and the others He chooses does not choose, which basically says he has already chosen those who will receive salvation and the rest are without hope. Then there's another that kind of goes to another stream, and I do believe this part is true. God does know all things. He knows the beginning, the middle, and the end all at once. He has always known everything that will happen, has happened, and is going to happen. And So some think that, well, since God already knows the history, past, present, and future, he knows who will accept him and his gift of salvation. I think there's really more of one kind of in-between that. So the third one is God places this calling on all mankind, choosing all to come to salvation, but not every man will accept this gift, his calling. How do I feel this? First, uh, first Timothy chapter 2, end of verse 3, verse 4 says, God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So there's a, many debates as to how do we become a child of God, but we have to know that we're a child of God in order to know that these things that he's talking about in this passage are about us, that he wants us to live out these ways. And so... He tells us that we are to uh, wear some new clothes. Pick up at the last part of verse 12, and actually we're going to go through verse 14. Put on the heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. 
Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. So let's kind of go through these. They're, they're basically the, the fruit of the Spirit that we find in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, uh, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. The only difference is Paul wrote both of these. In Galatians, he put love first, and here he put love last. But the essence of all these is love. So we see the word compassion. Compassion is really a form of love. It is the ability to feel for and with those who are going through trying times. There's two different words, sympathy and empathy. Sympathy basically means I feel sorry for the person that's going through whatever it is they're going through. Empathy is, means I feel what that person is going through. Empathy basically means you've gone through it yourself and you know what it feels like to go through that. Uh, passage, and I think in uh, First or Second Chronicles, uh, Corinthians, it says that we have been given the compassion to share with others because we have already received it from God. So whatever it is that we've received from God, we can share with others. So like all these elements, compassion is an element of love. Then we see kindness. Kindness is how we treat others. And, you know, it's real easy to be kind to those who we might get something out of, somebody that may pay us a favor or who likes us. You know, God wants us to be kind to all people. Doesn't matter if they're maybe not the best looking person or the most popular person. And they may not always do the right thing. But God wants us to show kindness. So, you know, even if they're doing wrong in their lives, the greatest way to win them over to Christ is to show the love of Christ through kindness. David did something unique as an act of kindness. Saul and his sons, jo uh, Jonathan and others, were all killed in battle. And so David becomes the king. But there's one man still left of the household of Saul. His name is Mephibosheth. And he was crippled. Somebody was running with him and dropped him and he was injured and now he was crippled. But he was also the son of Jonathan, David's best friend. Everybody else would have told David, you need to get rid of either exile or kill Mephibosheth because he is of the house of Saul. And if you go through the lineage and everything, he could challenge you for the throne. But because of David's great love for his friend Jonathan and for Mephibosheth being his son, David called him in one day and I think Mephibosheth probably figured, this is it. I'm either going to be exiled or killed. But David said, from this day forward, you will eat at my table. You'll be like my family. What an act of kindness. To somebody who did not deserve it, did nothing to deserve it, but an act of kindness out of love. Now we look at the word humility. Humility is not really thinking poorly of yourself. It's just really not thinking of yourself at all. It's really focusing on others. We as Christians really need to focus on being other-centered instead of self-centered. 
And that's not always easy because we live in a very, very self-centered society. It's all about me. And we need to get over that. We need to understand that God's way is to be other-centered, not self-centered. So we need to look at ways that we can encourage others, even if it means that we have to give of ourselves. It may cost us something to help others, but our humility is that I'm no better than anyone else. They may have a, be going through a difficult time. God's given me the ability to help them, minister to them, so that's what I need to do. Then the next is gentleness. That's kind of akin to meekness. Gentleness is power under control. It is basically seeing that uh, we need to understand how we need to communicate. Gentleness. You know, we may come across people, even in our church, that may not be living for the Lord. Or we may know of people in our community, our neighbors, who are living outside of God's will. Well, how do we approach them? Do we take a Bible and hit them over the head and say, that's not right? Do we have this holier-than-thou attitude that, you know, I'm better than you, and I need to tell you how, how you need to live like me? No, gentleness basically says, you know, I understand where you are. I've been there myself. I am there. Because I'm a sinner just like you are. But God loves you just like he loves me. And he has something in store for your life that he wants to give to you. It's called salvation and eternal life. And I'd love to share with you how I received that in my life. And through gentleness, walk them through what it means to, to change your life, to surrender it to the Lordship of Christ. So our words and our actions need to be done out of love and of the Spirit of Christ. That's what gentleness can do. Gentleness can keep the doors open when really they should be shut. Next word is patience. Some uh, translations may even use long-suffering. That means that we need to serve the Lord with determination. When we know it's God's will for us to do something, we should never, ever give up. See, we, we have this microwave man mentality. We want instant results. We want to do one thing and see the results immediately. That's very seldom the way God works. To share Christ with a lost person, very seldom is it a one-shot deal where you just simply share your testimony or a simple plan of salvation. They receive it and everything's wonderful. Evangelism is hard work and it's long work. And it is investing in the lives of those around you sharing the love of Christ that he's given you in unique ways, finding where this person is in their life, and sharing with them as much as they're willing to accept at one time, and then coming back another time and sharing more. But basically, patience or long-suffering is continuously determined to do God's will, even when we don't see the results, either immediately or even ever, we may not always see the results of what God is doing through us. So patience is the ability to keep a Christ-like attitude. Uh, even when others are trying to stand in the way, we need to say, Lord, if this is your will, then you will use me and you will make the way for me to do this. Then we go into the next, it says, bearing, verse 13, bearing with one another. That means holding back judgment. Uh, 
Anybody in here have a problem being judgmental? We see other people doing wrong things, and we just want to judge them. We want to take the place of God, in other words. We want to judge them. See, they're not worthy of my time or effort. You know, they just deserve what they deserve. They deserve hell. Well, bearing one or the other means holding back judgment. Instead, we need to practice the patience, kindness, goodness, compassion. We need to see others as we should see ourselves, saved only by the grace of God. And so if we experience a brother who's sinning openly, we need to allow God, through his Holy Spirit, to bring us into their lives. If it's a brother or sister in Christ, a Christian who's doing this, the Bible very simply shares with us, we need to go to them in private with patience, compassion, love, humility, gentleness, and forgiveness, and share with them what we see in their life. If we do it with the right spirit, the Holy Spirit working in us, speaking through us, good chance that the person will understand how their actions are harming the cause of Christ and harming their own personal Christian reputation. And then they can confess their sins, receive God's forgiveness, be cleansed, be renewed and restored. But how about those outside the church? How about those who have never come to saving knowledge? Well, the same holds true. We need to go to them with that same heart of compassion, love, kindness, patience, gentleness, forgiveness, and we need to bear with them as well. Then I believe that God can work in us and through us to share his love. And that does bring us to forgiveness. Holding a grudge. Somebody either did something or you perceive that they did something wrong against you. First thing you want is vengeance. You want to get even. If you can't get vengeance, then you want to hold a grudge so that they know that you despise them, that you hate them, that you won't give them the time of day. Good Christian spirit, isn't it? No. Forgiveness, well, Scripture even tells us, and forgive each other. Whoever has a complaint against another, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Do you know who suffers the most with an unforgiving spirit? You do. You're the one that's going to lose sleep over it. The person who did something or you perceive that they did something against you probably either does not even know that they did it or that whatever they did hurts you, and so they're sleeping like a baby. But you're laying there fuming over what they did, what they said, or what you perceive that they did or said, and you just can't go to sleep thinking about it. You're harming yourself by failing to forgive, just as the Lord has forgiven us over and over and over we ought to also forgive others. One of Jesus' disciples came up and says, Lord, scriptures tell us that we are to forgive up to seven times. 
he kind of said up to in the way he said it. Do you know how fast it would take to add up to seven forgivenesses? It wouldn't take long at all. Jesus said, how about 70 times seven? He basically was saying, quit counting. Keep forgiving. Because forgiveness is in the heart of God. It is the only reason why we are a child of God is because of his gift of forgiveness. And he tells us over and over and over again, just as I have forgiven you, you forgive others as well. And so we need to practice this gift of God. Then he wraps it all up. Verse 14. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Love brings all of this together. Every single one of these Christian characteristics is all found in love. If you don't have love, then you'll never have any of these others. You may go through the motions. You may act like you've forgiven somebody. You may act humble for a little while. But unless you have the love of Christ radiating in and through you, you'll never be able to, to live out your faith. So love is the powerful presence of God living in us and accomplishing helping us to accomplish his will in our lives. It's the power that unites us together as a family of God. Without the love of God, without the love of Christ, we could not be in the same room together for very long, could we? Because we wouldn't be willing to forgive each other. We would not be willing to bear with one another. We would not be uh, compassionate towards others. But the love of Christ, working in us and through us, is the foundation of who we are as Christians. So, first of all, we receive this gift of love through Christ at the moment of salvation. And then we're filled to overflowing with this love through the Holy Spirit as He comes and dwells within us. But then we need to practice using this love each and every day. We need to make it a part of that wardrobe. We need to make sure that we put it on, and that is put on with prayer. Just like the armor of God, we need to put on each piece with prayer. So we need to put on love and all these characteristics each and every day, making sure that everything is in place and in the right spirit. So the greatest way to do this is to pray as we put on these individual pieces of garment. Heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other, putting on love. Well, then Paul continues and says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. The peace of Christ. Do you have the peace of Christ? Or do you, are you always worried? Or are you always fretful? Do you truly have the peace of Christ to know that He and His Holy Spirit dwelling in us is fully in control of who you are what's going on in your life, and what will take place. You know, not a single one of us has a crystal ball. Not a single one of us knows exactly what's going to happen when we leave this place tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. We don't know. But we have God. Almighty God, who knows all things, who's all-powerful, who's all-present, his Holy Spirit dwells in us, guides us, works in us, 
if we cannot trust him, then we will never have the peace of Christ. So it is the Lord who shows us how to live. It's the Holy Spirit who empowers us to live. And it's our surrendered to him that allows him to be Lord of our lives. And then the last part of verse 15 says, and be thankful. Do y'all ever have trouble being thankful? If somebody does something nice, you say, oh, you shouldn't have done that. Don't do that. Don't just say thank you. What's wrong with saying thank you when somebody does something nice to you? I've dealt with this. I've tried to minister to people and say, don't do that. I, you, I said, just say thank you. I've learned as a minister to say thank you when somebody does something for you. Well, guess what? God has done some awesome things for us. We need to live with a spirit of thanksgiving. And we need to live with a heart of thanksgiving at all times because he deserves all honor and glory and thanksgiving. So thanksgiving is just seeing what God has already done and believe in what he's going to do in our lives each and every day and being thankful. Then verse 16 says, Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. The word of Christ is the word of God. It's the Bible. It's the truth of God's word. And it says, may it richly dwell in us. Well, folks, the only way that, I mean, unless you're going to chew this up and swallow it, the only way this is going to get in you is to read it, study it, meditate on it, even memorize it. That means we must have a hunger and a thirst for the word of God. We need to spend time looking at it. And I, I've shared this with you many times before. I've shared it at the Beehive where I do a Bible study on Thursdays. I say, before you pick up the Bible and begin your daily time with the Lord in reading the scriptures or at any time, pray first. Pray, Lord, this is your word. Holy Spirit, grant me your wisdom, guidance, knowledge, understanding of what I'm about to read. So that as I read it, it's not just words on a page, but it is your truth that is being instilled into my life. Then, Lord, as I read it, help me to formulate it into my life. Help me to live it out in my daily life. Then the Word of God actually becomes real to us. So we need to cherish the Word of God. It is a lamp unto our feet and a light into our path. And it is our guide as to how we are to faithfully live for the Lord. So we're admonished to, to follow the Word of God. It is also a tool that we can use to share with others the love of Christ. Even if they're living in disobedience to the Lord, the Word of God is the answer. Sharing the Word of God, letting the Holy Spirit of God take the truths and instill into that person's heart. Then verse 16, the last part of it says, And with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. Anybody who's sat or stood close to me when I'm singing understands I don't have the greatest singing voice. Did you know something? God thinks I'm an opera star. He loves to hear me sing. And it's not always singing outwardly. Many times I just sing from my heart. And guess what? That's exactly what it says here. Singing with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. 
And he gives us three different ways of singing. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. What's the difference in them? Well, psalms are these beautiful poetic works. Many of them were written by David and many others during the Old Testament. And for many centuries they have stood the test of time. Many of them were written and actually put to music. And so they were songs, but they're called psalms. And they were uh, a way of worshiping God, especially through the Old Testament for centuries. Well, then what are hymns? Hymns are actually written that directly reflect biblical truths. Biblical truths, many times a message of salvation or God's great goodness or how he works in creation. All sorts of things that are directly related to the scriptures. So hymns are basically the scriptures written into a song. And so we look and we see that many of the, song, uh, many of the hymns are just as powerful messages as a sermon being preached. Because they are directly related to the scriptures of God. And they're just being related to people around us in the form of music. Well, what about spiritual songs? I believe that spiritual songs are basically how the Word of God has impacted our lives and how we are now living it out. How the truth of God's Word is now a part of us and how it is affecting our lives. One of the hymns that we sing from time to time that I believe is a spiritual song is, It Is Well With My Soul. When peace like a river Folks, where does that peace come from? Well, it comes from God, but if you read the, the, the hymn, peace, uh, It Is Well With My Soul, you're really not reading Scripture, you're reading how the Scripture has affected a person and how they're living it out. So there are many wonderful spiritual songs that show how we're living out our faith. But either way, our hearts need to be filled with all of these. We may not know how to put some of the psalms to music, but you can still read them and they're poetic and understand that this is a song to the Lord. The hymns, powerful, powerful messages from the scriptures put to music. And these spiritual songs reflecting outwardly the evidence of what God is doing inwardly. And so we look and we see with thanksgiving in your heart. That simply means that whether you sing outwardly aloud or whether you're just alone with God and you sing these songs from your heart, God hears them. And they're a powerful part of worship. And we need to be more about worship. Can we be real honest? Most of the hymns that we sing, we have sung hundreds if not thousands of times in our lives and it's real easy just to sing the words than to think about what it means I guess been a couple of years ago we were dealing with the topic of worship and prayer and I found a bunch of the older hymnals that were stashed away and I asked anybody who needed a hymnal I said take a hymnal and instead of singing these hymns open up a hymnal, and read them. It makes a total difference 
When you read a hymn instead of singing it, you're reading the words and you're, start, you're thinking about what do they mean, just like reading the scriptures. Try it sometime and see if it doesn't make a difference. That is truly an act of worship, even in prayer. Then Paul finishes at verse 17. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks, there again, thanks, through him to God the Father. What all do you do in a day's time? How many words do you say in a day's time? Do you wish you could go back and take some of them back? Yeah. Well, here's a simple thing to think. Whatever I say, whatever I do, I need to do it all in the name of Jesus. If I can do that, everything else is all right. So whatever we do, whatever we say, whatever deeds we do, do them unto the Lord, and he will bring honor and glory. If we do it for self, then we're getting the honor and glory if there's any to be had. So let's live our lives each and every day, surrender to the Lordship of Christ, beginning our time each day in worship, reading the 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 hymns, spending time in prayer, spending time reading, studying, meditating on the Word of God, letting the Holy Spirit fill us so that we will have these characteristics of love, kindness, goodness, compassion, patience, thanksgiving, forgiveness, long-suffering. Those just don't automatically come just because you walked down an aisle, shook a pastor's hand, and got baptized. They come because you were dedicated. You're surrendered to the Lordship of Christ. And you're allowing his Holy Spirit to truly transform your heart, your mind, your spirit, your soul, so that he, and he alone, is in control. Let's bow together. Dear Lord, we come to you realizing that we're far from what we need to be. Lord, sometimes we get up and we put on filthy clothes, spiritual clothes, things that we should not be wearing, things that should not be a part of our lives. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us for all the ways we fail you. But Lord, I pray that from this day forward, every day that we'll wake up with a new heart, a new spirit, surrender to you. And Lord, that we'll pray as we put on each piece of clothing, that each piece will be the right piece, exactly what you desire us to have. And Lord, when our time with you continues through the day, we will see you working in us and through us to do your good and acceptable and perfect will because we have prepared our hearts for you to use. Lord, fill us each and every day with your spirit guide us and use us so that whatever we say, whatever we do will be according to your will and you will be the one who receives the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.